I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. We are very pleased to share with you Lama's unique illumination of the awakened awareness teachings. If you are interested in supporting Lama Suryadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/suryadas. May all beings everywhere with whom we are inseparably interconnected and who want and need <clears throat> the same as we do, may all be awakened, liberated, healed, fulfilled, and free. May there be peace and harmony in this world and throughout all possible realms of existence and an end to war and violence, injustice, poverty, and oppression, delusion, confusion, greed, hatred, pride, and jealousy, ignorance. And may we all together complete the spiritual journey. Honors for the Buddhists within, may you all realize it and be benefited by it. So we've been chanting and praying what we call in Tibetan the mantra, uh, the medication, meditation, of love and compassion, joy and equanimity equal to all, Chenrezig's meditation, Avalokiteshvara's meditation, the Dalai Kuan Yin's meditation, the Dalai Lama's meditation, with the mantra Omani Padmi Hum, the mantra of love and compassion, and so on. Practicing the four boundless, or the four divine abodes, the four Brahma Viharas in the original language of the Buddhism, the four divine heartitudes, I call it, the four states of grace, Loving kindness, metta, compassion, karuna, sympathetic joy or rejoicing, mudita, and upeksha, equal to all, or equanimity, impartiality. In fact, in the Tibetan tradition, we usually start first with equanimity, upeksha, in upeka in Pali, upeksha in Sanskrit. We don't have to go into politics. <laughs> Great equanimity by any other name smells as sweet. 
we begin with equanimity because how can we talk really about Buddha-like love and loving kindness if it's partial? How can we talk about Buddha-like compassion if it's not equal to all? If we're only compassionate or kind, well-wishing, benevolent to those who are nice to us, to those who stroke us or our ego. What about our enemies, our critics, and so forth? So we begin with Upeka, Upeksha, in the traditional scriptures and in the way that it's probably taught here in the Theravadan tradition that Charlotte, Catherine, is lineage holder of, first loving kindness. And loving kindness seems to have swept the land. I mean, unfortunately, it hasn't swept the land. But metta is very well known today. That we can say. Metta, loving kindness. If you know about Buddhism. If you know about yoga, you know namaste. If you know about Buddhism, you know metta. Metta in Pali, Maitri in Sanskrit. I'll get back to that in a minute. But there's more to life. There's more to Buddhist life. There's more to Vipassana insight, meditation tradition, Theravada tradition, the way of the elders, Theravada. There's more to it than metta. There's loving kindness, compassion, joy or rejoicing in the benefits and virtues of others, and impartiality or equanimity equal to all, detachment. That's very important to mention. I want to talk tonight about befriending ourselves, befriending the world, and compassion and action. And we'll get on to question period soon, so we can explore more together directly in your interest. But metta, maitri, maitri in Sanskrit, as in Maitreya, the Buddha to come, if you're familiar with Buddhist cosmology, the fifth Buddha is Maitreya, who's supposed to be coming. Um, I think he's coming February 14th. I don't know. His name means love, Maitri, love or friendliness in Tibet. Metta, loving kindness in Pali. Another part of metta or Maitri is friendliness, not just well-wishing. The essence of loving kindness is usually taught to be well-wishing, benevolence. Because I was coming to teach here, to teach the Sangha, of the eminent and august and scholarly and awesome Shiloh Catherine Tromovich, Tromovich Kaskaya. I looked up what is metta. I googled metta. <laughs> you remember what Buddha said, Google and you shall find. <laughs> the perfection of loving kindness is the wish to provide for the welfare and happiness of the world, accomplished, accompanied by compassion and skillful means. Literally, it means benevolence. In other words, well-wishing. Wishing well for others is loving-kindness. Not just being kind. Wishing well for others and acting on it is loving-kindness. Compassion is more empathy, feeling what they feel and being moved to help. The quivering heart that sort of vibrates in tune with them, like when your children hurt, you hurt. So there's a lot we can say about that. Uh, just for the sake of non-sectarianism, the founder of the Jain religion, Mahavira, who was like a Buddha in his time in India, very, very, very non-violent, more non-violent than Buddhists even, rushed sweeping away the bugs from the path in monsoon India, it's a full-time job, and so forth, walking with a brush like this, and wearing a white surgical mask. I don't know where he got that folk in those days, probably from Amazon so he wouldn't breathe in the bugs. You see, very, 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 non did I say very? Nonviolent. 
said, nonviolence and kindness to living beings is kindness to oneself. Oh, now you're getting interested, huh? You'll get something out of this. Nonviolence and kindness to oneself, uh, to living beings is kindness to oneself. Through kindness and nonviolence, non-harming living beings, one's own welfare is established and saved from various kinds of resultant sufferings, now and in the future life. I think that's very important to recognize the mutuality or reciprocity of this, karma, interconnectedness, interdependence, praticca samudpada, interdependent arising, as Shiloh translates it, which I believe she's going to be teaching in a weekend soon. This is very important. And befriending ourselves is an important part of this. To be nice to others is to be nice to ourselves. We can explain this in many ways. Wherever I go, I meet myself, as a saint once said. I don't want to get into the theology of all that, but you get the point. You know, maybe you get divorced and you have a new relationship and you say, the same things are happening. Why, you know, why is this? It's like, who brought this can of worms? Except oneself. That's called karma. So it's very important to be kind to ourselves through being kind to others and vice versa. Being kind to others by being kind to ourselves. Just like if you want to be a good parent, you better take care of yourself so you're there for the children. Does that make sense? So you're there now, present, not intoxicated, not absent, not forgetful. And so you're there later, not dead, not absent, not in prison, not disassociated, you know, not there. Bad. There, good, here. Thus we practice mindfulness instead of mindless living. Mindfulness. And it's a beautiful way to go. It's really the only way to go. Mindfulness, as you know, is the main ingredient in Buddha's recipe for happiness, called the seven factors of enlightenment, or the seven ingredients for awakening. Mindfulness is the pivotal one. Some people teach it as number one on the list of seven ingredients. Some is number four, because it's the fulcrum, it's the pivot. We hear a lot about mindfulness today. You're not going to hear about it much tonight because I'm talking about something else. But in general, mindfulness is very important. It's, attention is the essence of Buddha Dharma, of awakefulness. Not ritual, not cosmology, not um, gender bias, not philosophy. Uh, what else is there in the religious schemes? Not history and lineage, not a color of robes or um, hairstyle. But attention, awareness is the essence. Awareness, attention, concentration, insight, developing wisdom is the essence of Buddha Dharma, of enlightening wisdom tradition, of Sudharma, the sublime liberated Dharma. That's very important. Alpha, the Alpha and Omega of liberating Dharma, enlightening Dharma is awareness. Attention and how we intentionally use it. So mindfulness is very important today. And if we could bring it to bear on everything we do, that would be being kind to ourselves and the world, befriending ourselves and the world by living mindfully, rather mindlessly. What happens when you drive mindlessly? Accidents. How did that happen? You know, you were multitasking, you're falling asleep at the wheel, or just more over time you didn't take care of your equipment, your car or whatever. You have an accident, although there's no such thing as accidents. Everything has causes. So mindfulness is very, very important. And we could extend this to not just mindfulness of breath, not just mindfulness of the four foundations of mindfulness, which you would know since you're here and studying in the original Buddhist teachings, 
your basic Buddha is a mindfulness of body and feelings and sensations and mental phenomena and so on. Not just the four foundations of mindfulness, but also mindful driving, mindful emailing, mindful talking, mindful eating, and so forth. Relational mindfulness, how about that? Being a better listener, relational mindfulness, being attentive to other, empathy, connection. As Buddhists, or whatever we are, meditators, practicing mindfulness of breathing, do we even know there are other people in this world? Oh, there are other people, not just the three Jews, me, myself, and I. <laughs> Who knew? Mohammed, another bodhisattva, said, just for our non-sectarian purposes, you know, just so we don't get too thinking Buddhism is the only way, and you know, like everybody has their only way. Do not consider any act of kindness insignificant. Even meeting your brother with a cheerful face is an act of kindness. That's Muhammad, friends. We don't hear that very much, do we, from the pulpits today when we hear about Islam and what they think. So friendliness is an important part of Maitri, of metta, of loving kindness, of benevolence, of well-wishing for others. The Buddhist pioneer Lama Trigam Trungpa if you haven't read his books, I recommend them. Chagam Trungpa spiritual Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, Shambhala, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and two dozen books. A great Lama who lived in America in his last 15 years of life, gone now. He called it cheerfulness. It's not too bad for a combination of metta and mudita and upekka. Cheerfulness in the face of all, equal to all. One taste. Equanimity, detachment. Not just indifference, but detachment. Like the grandparents who are more detached from the kids than the parents, yet still love them intensely. Eyes like eyes, heart of fire, as the Zen master said. Not just frozen, keeping a stiff upper lip, not feeling anything. No, that's numbing out. That's not equanimity. So befriending ourselves, being very, always cultivate an open mind, a, an up, a positive mind, as it says in the Mahayana attitude transformation, low jung teachings, so-called mind training, attitude transformation, spiritual refinement teachings from Tibet. 59 great mind training slogans, low jung slogans, attitude transformation from Atisha, the Indian master. Always maintain a joyful mind. That doesn't mean always smiling. It means always maintain a positive attitude, an upbeat attitude. Everything is possible. Everything is workable. There's no stuckness. We may be heavily karmically conditioned. That's the bad news, but that is just conditioning is the good news. Conditioning can be reconditioned and deconditioned. That's Dharma practice. Reconditioning and deconditioning. First replacing bad habits with good habits, unwholesome with wholesome habits of body, mind, speech, and so on, intention. And then freeing ourselves, excuse me, completely, eventually, from habit, from karma itself, being free of past and future, in the atemporal now. If we really want to talk about befriending ourselves and befriending others, I think rather than talk about a lot of things that you will hear, even from metta teachers, sometimes I think we're teaching Judeo-Christianity and theism in the name of Buddhism, 
talking about only values and virtues that are outward and not about inward and deeper levels of it. Let me just mention a kind of, um, I mean, this is just my own thought here, but just for interest's sake. Befriending ourselves, befriending the world. What are ourselves and what are our world? If we really pay attention, if we really do an experiment like Buddha did in the laboratory of our own experience. I'm sure some of you are scientists. I can see in your auras, uh, some of you. In fact, there I see a physical geologist, Laura. <laughs> Actually, I met her at dinner. But, just joking. Buddha, Buddha's teaching of the path of enlightenment, which is the whole teaching, the Eightfold Path and all, or no, which is the Eightfold Path, is kind of scientific in its way. Buddha said, if you reproduce this experiment, you can replicate the results in yourself. And millions have. It's not just only one begotten son of Buddha. Although he did have a son named Rahula, who became enlightened too, in case you don't know the history. But it's very scientific in that way. And I find that helpful, because we can confirm it for ourselves. So if we replicate the experiment, we too can get the same results of nirvanic peace and bliss and freedom and realize the deathless and undying, unconditioned dharmakaya, or whatever you want to call it. Not impersonal, not personal, transpersonal, beyond ourselves, transcendent over any of us, yet imminent in each of us. What we call the, some traditions the Buddha nature. What's called in the Theravada Sutra is the unconditioned uh, true nature, the nature of everything. We can realize that. So if we practice in the present moment, befriending ourselves, befriending the world, as I was introducing, we do this experiment. If we really hone our concentration and get some stability of mind and attention in the present moment on a direct naked experience of what the hell's going on here? What's up? What's up, Das? What's up? What's this? What do we find? What can we say? Of course, it's inexpressible, but just to put some words on it, there's a few feelings and cessations, physical sensations, there's a few um, thoughts and memories, you know, there's a, some body, some arisings in the body-mind continuum. Sensations and perceptions and feelings and thoughts and so on. Other than that, it's all conceptual imputation overlaid on the dots, making our own constellation. Oh, it's a nice night here. Well, somebody else might be saying, oh, what a nightmare. I have a kidney stone. When's this nut going to shut up and let me go home? It's so subjective. But if we really look in the now, what is happening? How do we befriend ourselves in the world? Loving kindness, appreciation. You know, mindfulness is also an openness. It's not just being there now, being here now. It's also an appreciation and openness, non-judgmental openness to whatever arises. That's a part of the definition of mindfulness. Friendliness, as I'm saying. Befriending our experience, every moment, whatever comes up. Now let me tell you what life is according to me and Martin Buber. Martin Buber said all of life is about encounter. Some people translate it as relationship, but then everybody thinks about their sweetie or their ex. Encounter, the encounter of I and now, not I and it. Not just me and her, what can I get from her, but thou. 
the mirror that is a, in which you see everything as a perfection reflection, including yourself. Like when you really realize emptiness, you see your you see the fullness of it. When you look into yourself, you might see your Buddha nature. You see your your best self, not just your worst self. You might be surprised. So when we're meditating, so-called meditating, if you really pay attention, how you encounter every thought, feeling, perception, moment, that is life. That's my theory that I'm propounding here very dogmatically. What is life? It is that moment of encounter that Martin Buber talked about, that I'm talking about, that Buddhist teachers are not talking enough about. Mindfulness of breathing, that's fine. Of course, that's training. And that's good, that's training wheels. But it's the mindfulness that in the moment, it's nowness awareness that's the active ingredient that is the Buddha within, as my Dzogchen master Dujimudacheya said, nowness awareness. How we encounter every moment, not just the moment as a big tapestry, yes, but each part of that tapestry, what, how we experience each arising in the field of consciousness, or whatever you want to call it, in the body-mind continuum, this moment, only moment, that's life. And the rest is conceptual imputation based on our conditioning and subjectivity. Good day, bad day. It's hot in here, it's cold in here. Some people I can see come from equatorial Ecuador, and they're wearing a lot of coats. It's freezing to them in here. And other people, in the back there, I see some half-naked um, hula dancers. They think it's really um, hot in here. I don't know what I'm talking about, but everything is subjective, is my point. It's so subjective. You think this is a wonderful meditation hall. If my mother came in, she would say, Jeffrey, what are you doing in a church? <laughs> or, why don't you have couches? Those look uncomfortable, those chairs. They're so subjective. And she'd be right from her point of view. Because she wants to sit on the couch and put her arm around you know, me or somebody. And like, meditate. No, you know, be yourself. So subjective. Life is this moment of encounter. This is how to befriend yourself and your experience. Because befriend your world. This is your world. Now we can talk about taking this out and being loving and kind and generous and all the paramis at work and at home. We can talk about how spiritual life is not just in church on Sunday or in the synagogue on Saturday or the mosque on Monday. There's six and three quarters other days of the week to consider. That is the mindful life, of course, integrating spirituality into every moment of daily life and bringing compassion into action wherever you are, of course. But I'm trying to get to something more sharp and clear and not talked about so much. Befriending yourself. Every moment of experience, that's, quote, you. That's it. And that's your world. And being friendly and open and appreciative and cultivating a positive attitude, open mind to that. Whether it's a pleasure or a pain. Whether it's a pleasant sound or a grinding uh, lawnmower sound. Oh, nice. You know, you're meditating. Oh, nice bird song. Ugh. Why don't they mow the lawn later when we're not meditating? Pushing and pulling. Attraction, attachment, and aversion. How we go through life, exhausting ourselves, squandering our pure energy. Always maintain positive, open mind. That's how we befriend ourselves in the world. In meditation, welcoming, appreciating, Wow, wonderment. Whatever thoughts, feelings, perceptions, memories, arisings in the field of consciousness.
That is how to befriend ourselves, our karma, and our world. Someone once asked a wise Japanese Zen master, is the enlightened one or is the master beyond karma, free of karma, has no karma, has good karma, or what? Anybody remember what he said? Does the enlightened one have no karma, free of karma, beyond karma, has good karma, or what? So there's one Zen story that a master named Hakujo said, the master has no karma. That's very Zen-like. And the story goes, for that, he was reborn as a fox. <laughs> In other words, he failed. He got left back a few graves and had to come back again. That was a master. No karma. OK, so that's not the right answer. At least then, I don't know about that. Does the master have good, only good karma, or no karma, or free of karma, conditioning karma? The master is one with karma. There really is no separation. There are no enlightened beings, only enlightened activities. Like you think about Buddhism, the doctrine of no self, anatta, and so on. Anishinata, emptiness, you can understand that. So the reason why I mention this is we can undo this tangled web, spider web, that we the spider are caught in by getting so present in the moment for each moment that that's all there is and not tying all these moments like these beads tying them together with crazy little conceptual imputations, overlaying reality, making it into a constellation that we interpret as this or that, and hanging ourselves. You can't get hung by a bead or 108 beads without the string, the crazy glue of our self-story. Selfing, I call it. That's what we usually do. Selfing. Stringing these moments together of naked experience into our self-story, our history. Selfing. Any questions, please? I could talk a lot more about that. I have a whole folder here. I just uh, gave a week on, on this in Southern California, including some things about metta. For example, is anybody familiar with the metta practice of being in the center of the circle, like of your sangha mates? and the sangha around and them rating a method to you, but you're also in the circle, not just in the center. That's one way to practice method, radiating and reabsorbing it. Anybody familiar with that? It's a great way to practice metta and also to loosen your identification with yourself is limited. Thank you all, good night. Thank you.